We're on the last session for today, session five. Hopefully you read the whole story. This one is longer than the other ones I had in each session. The story you read is 2 Kings chapter 4, 8 to 37. In the previous session, we saw how the testimony of the widow in Zarephath and her son were established in her through death and resurrection. They represent testimony of believers when they put God's interest first and followed by God's provision of his fullness. It's always, that's how the Lord works. Now, in this story, we read another death and resurrection. This one during the ministry of Elisha. Elisha is a type of the church. The previous one was during the ministry of Elijah, representing our Lord Jesus. What we learn from this story is resurrection life. And what is it? You see, resurrection is a power. As a believer, you may experience the power of forgiveness or you may not have. Power of forgiveness is one of the greatest experiences a believer can have. That is, if unforgiveness was an issue in your life. In the same way, there are many believers who have tasted the power of healing by the Lord and are rejoicing in Him. At the same time, there are many who have experienced the power in many different areas of their life, but do not go beyond that. With the Lord, there is always something more. Every truth the Lord shows us is intended to take us to another truth, and that truth will take us to a revelation. Even that revelation is intended for another truth and another fullness in Christ. This is part of our spiritual life. There is always more to see with our Lord Jesus. There's a great difference between the widow in Zarephath and this Shunammite woman. The widow in Zarephath, she was poor, she was in starvation and all kinds of need. But the Lord came to her and she came to fullness when the Lord worked through the ministry of Elijah. This woman, however, she's a notable woman, she's rich, and she also has a husband that takes care of her. That's a big difference between the widow in Zarephath and this one. In this story, we see God acting again sovereignly in her life when he gave her a son and the experience of her son dying. In her case, God brought her in touch with Elisha, who is a type of ministry of the church, to bring in her his testimony. And the primary ministry of the church is to bring everyone to sonship. This is what you see in this story. God brought this woman in touch with Elisha, who is representing the ministry of the church. And the primary ministry of the church is to bring everyone to sonship. Now to see the condition of this woman will take you to the Ephesians letter, first chapter. It begins by saying, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted by the beloved. You see, the difference between her and the widow in Zarephath is that she is in the position of Ephesians believers with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The widow in the Zarephath is a new believer, both of them representing the bride, and both of them have the heart of the bride. That's very important to see. 
There is plenty all around us by the reason of our position when Christ is seated at the right hand of Heavenly Father. But then very soon down the line we read Apostle Paul pouring us heart in prayer. And his prayer is for, mark you, for these believers who have been blessed by the spiritual blessings in Christ. I mean, they're blessed with these heavenly blessings. And Paul is praying for them. Again, this we read it in previous sessions, Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. It is one thing to be in the position of heavenly blessings. It's another thing to know the practical application of this heavenly position in our daily life. That's the position where you have come to a place where you know, you understand, and because you have understanding, you are able to count for something. That is the meaning of sonship. What is it? When the Lord can count on you. And to get there is how the Lord deals with us, which sometimes is a very hard dealing. In this story, by the sovereign act of God, this woman of Shunem came to have a son. That is our story. By the sovereign act of God, we have been born of God, born into his family, and we become children of God. But do you see that even that which has been miraculously born of God is taken to death to no resurrection? Same is true with our Lord Jesus himself in his sonship. Romans 1 verse 3, he says, Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. It was after the resurrection that our Lord was declared as Son of God. I always find this fascinating about him. And it is after resurrection that he began his ministry as our high priest, administrating. Up to that time, he was learning. Here's the verse from Hebrews 5.8. It says, speaking about our Lord, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Sonship was there but he was in a position of a child learning. That's where we are. Everything was his by birth, but he did not inherit it until resurrection. Sonship in its fullest meaning always relates to resurrection. Now, sonship is spiritual growth. But what is sonship in practical terms? It is taking responsibility in relation to the Lord's testimony. That simply means you are teaching others with all that the Lord has taught you over the years. Sonship is spiritual growth. Here's Hebrews 5. About Melchizedek, he says, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God. And you have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and bad. Here the apostle puts his finger on the tie frame. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, he's saying something's wrong. 
the Lord has been teaching you all these years, and you have come to a place that you know, you understand, you ought to be teaching others, but that's not happening in you. Most of you know a great deal because the Lord has been teaching you for a long time. Now, if you are in the position of the widow in Zarephath, what does that mean? You had an experience with the Lord, and the Lord blessed you, and you came to a fullness because God was dealing with you. God has something in your life through an experience so that the testimony is in you, and you are able to say, I know. I know that I know that God did it. Now, the next step, and the question is very crucial for us to understand. Are we taking the responsibility or are we leaving that responsibility for the ministers? In our case, you deem the elders the responsible party for ministry. I want to read from Ephesians 4. This is when Paul speaks of when the Lord ascended to heaven in verse 411. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I often, when I read this verse or quote this verse, I tell that in the original Greek language, there is no word for pastor. Original verse says, shepherding teachers or teaching shepherds. There is no word for pastor, so they're both shepherds. That's us in this church, the elders. We're not an apostle, we're not an evangelist or a prophet, but we are responsible in this direction. These ministries are given to the church to equip the church for the work of the ministry to take responsibility. It is the church that needs to take responsibility. The ministers appointed by the Lord are only to equip the church to take responsibility for the testimony. That's what Apostle Paul is saying. The ministers are not the ones who bear the responsibility of the testimony. Their responsibility, I'm going to put it in our name. The elders' responsibility is to make the church a responsible vessel. That's our ministry. Now I'm going to take you back to the story of this Shunammite woman. Listen to this. One day she comes to the husband. She says, you know this man of God that comes around often here? She says, why don't we build him an upper room? We put a bed in there. We put a chair and a desk and a lamp. And whenever this man of God comes, he can stay here. And yes, don't forget the Wi-Fi. <laughs> He's very much connected. <laughs> the next thing you know, Elisha came and he stayed in that upper room. I mean, the husband did not even object. I tell you, every good husband is liable to say, what's the matter with you, woman? You think I'm sitting on money, build an upper room for this holy man? <laughs> Just think how much it's going to cost you to build an upper room. But he did it. This guy had no objection. He's a rare find of a husband. <laughs> Something about him just didn't sit with me. Something that I couldn't put my finger in it. Here's what he did. The story you read is 2 Kings chapter 4, 8 to 37. I'm going to read from verse 18. And the child grew... Here's the child that God gave to this couple through the ministry of the church. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to the father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. Poor kid is saying, My head, my head. Calls one of the workers. He says, 
take him to his mother. It's like, I'm not in charge here, you know? That's very strange. What happened after this, we read the child died while sitting on her mother's knees. And this is what we read later, verse 22. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of your young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. Here's his reply, verse 23. Why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. By this time, the child is dead. He doesn't know it. He's not even asking, how is the child? This is very unusual for father. And he says, where are you going to see this man of God? It's not a full moon or a Sabbath. He's the kind of Christian that goes to the church at appointed time. This is as much as he puts himself for the church. No more and no less. That's the kind of believer he is. One day, this is last year when I'm preparing the message for the conference we should have had in May. I was in our backyard praying for this and meditating. All of a sudden, I began to see the major point of the story. Up to that point, I didn't see it. I couldn't pinpoint it. And the following day, same thing in our backyard. I'm walking around praying. I remembered an episode from my own life when I was very young. Combination of both of them is how I came to see the major point of the story. I'll tell my story first. <laughs> Do you object? <laughs> I was about 12, 13 years old. I don't remember exactly what age I was. But that summer, my dad rented this summer house. It was a decent house for all of us. And the backyard that was like an acre or two, full of fruit trees and a swimming pool. I had good memories from that period. One morning, I got up feeling very sick. I had an excruciating headache, and I remember thinking, I better wash my face, maybe I will feel better. So I barely made it to the bathroom, I'm washing my face, but I got worse. Then again, I remembered thinking, well, I better tell mom and dad about my condition. So I walked in, into their bedroom. They were both awake in bed, talking to each other. I can still see that scene. I was halfway in the room, and they both started looking at me. They recognized there was something wrong. I said, Dad, I don't feel good. And as I said it, I fainted. My dad, who was a heavyset guy, he jumped out of bed like lightning and caught me halfway falling to the floor. He put me on the bed with the same speed he got dressed. Next thing you know, he put me in his car to the hospital. Going to the hospital, he has me in his arms. I wasn't 100% fainted. I was there like, I don't know, 10, 15%. I could hear, understand what was going on. So he's carrying me to a hospital. Somebody saw us and he said, well, put him in this room. So he walked into this room and put me in the bed. Then he went into the hallway. He's calling the doctor. He's saying, my child, my child. One of the nurses ran to him and he says, where is your child? My dad says, well, in this room. She comes in, looks at me, looks at into the room and went out and said, but where is the child? <laughs> and my dad walked in, he said, well, that's my child. And she looked at him angry, that's not a child. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is like, well, he's my child. <laughs> if he called me my child in any other occasion, I don't think he would have said with me that well. But after 60 years, I remember this with an absolute positive point about him. 
And that's the kind of dad you remember. Not this guy. <laughs> But anyway, it turns out I had a food poisoning. That was the whole problem. <laughs> Talking about this Shunammite woman, there is no doubt she has faith. You cannot represent the bride and not have faith. But if you concentrate on her faith, you will miss the real meaning of the story. What is it? When it comes to our spiritual journey, no one can carry your responsibility. In her case, husband couldn't do it, nor anybody else for that matter. You have to carry your own responsibility. You're standing before the Lord and you're the responsible one. Your husband, your wife, your children, elders, whoever, they cannot carry your responsibility. And that was the thing you see in the husband. In this story, his behavior is very strange. As I said, combination of two of them, I, in a second I saw what the problem was, and that's the case. You are a responsible one, and that's the pathway she took to see Elisha. In other words, she ran to the church. This is verse 22, that I may run to the man of God, The thing is, if you've been blessed through the ministry of the church, that's where you run to. And that's the pathway this woman of Shun did it. There was another thing that was bothering me in this story. It says he was old. Now, whether that old age had anything to do with them not having a child, I don't know. In any case, the child was a gift from God. It was a miracle child. This time I looked at it not as he is old by age, But I remembered one of the names of God from the book of Daniel, which says, Ancient of Days. It is one of God's names in the book of Daniel called Ancient of Days. Here's the verse. Daniel 7, 9, he says, I watched till the thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. Of course, he's seeing the throne of God, and he calls them ancients of days. That name, it carries the meaning that God has always been through the entire human history. He's been there from the beginning. He and he alone is the ancient of days. And Daniel records a dream, a vision of four beasts, a king referred to as the ancient of days, and a person called like the son of man. Of course, He's talking about God the Father and God the Son, our Lord Jesus. In this story, who can take care of you better than the Lord himself? I told you, she has a husband that takes care of her well. In the cases like this, what we expect or we want is for the Lord to interfere and do something about the experiences we're going through. But the fact is that he's standing right next to you, looking at you by faith to see when you're going to take the responsibility. You see, we want the Lord to interfere, but he wants you to take the responsibility and he's waiting to see when you will going to do that. Is it weird when I'm saying the Lord is looking at you by faith? I mean, our Lord Jesus was the only man ever that lived all his life by faith. He left heaven as son of God with one promise that God gave to him. God says, I will not let your body to decay. That means I will raise you from the dead. With that promise, he came on the cross, died, and God raised him according to what he said. So the Lord is standing right next to you, and he's looking at you by faith to take that responsibility. 
Growing to sonship practically means when we take responsibility, even though I'm addressing all of you, I don't have anyone in mind. But it is my responsibility to point these things to you at this time. Just like everything with the Lord that comes by resurrection, same is true with any God-given ministry. We go through experiences which are like death, and then the Lord raises. One night, I went to bed thinking about our church history from the beginning, and I counted the number of times that something happened in the church, and all the work of the ministry that we were involved just died right in front of us, and there was nothing any one of us could do. I counted how many times. And to my amazement, God raised us up again and again and again. Any God-given ministry, when something happens, you end up with this thought, this lingering thought. How can this be? I remember the first time when it happened. How can that be? This Shunammite woman, her son was born by an act of God, but sonship necessitates that even so, he should die and be raised. It is sonship that is in the view. Just like this Shunammite woman, when the son died, this is verse 28, so she said, did I ask a son from my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? What she's saying is this, I didn't ask for a son, but you gave that son to me. Since you gave it to me, these things should not happen to me. It's the same thing the believers say. I'm a child of God. I'm in Christ. This thing should not happen to me. All these experiences that the Lord is behind it will bring you to sonship. You will become responsible one that the Lord can count on you. And that is the definition of sonship. That's the reason for the ministry of the church. In the same way, the bride is to know the fellowship of his suffering. Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 12, he says, If we endure, that is, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. It does not say, if we are saved, we shall reign, or if we become believers in the Lord Jesus, we shall reign. He says, if and only if we suffer, we shall reign with him. Paul calls it fellowship of his suffering. To Philippians, he said, chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. To the Colossians, he said, 124, I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in my affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Look at these two women, the widow in the Zarephath and this Shunammite woman. Their hearts were broken. Very difficult experience seeing the literal side of what happened to them. Both of them watched their son dying. The literal story is very hard to digest. But again, we're not talking about physical death and resurrection. The literal side of the story should tell you the intensity of what the Lord is speaking to us in this conference. You see, both stories, speaking of death and resurrection, the statement death and resurrection has a very negative tone. But God knows you. He knows how much you can stand under any kind of experiences. And He will never put you through beyond your ability to bear according to the measure of faith given to you. God gives strength to those who have no strength, wisdom to those who have no wisdom. Yes, every kind of supply to those who have none because they have been broken. 
Remember, spiritually brokenness, it does not mean that you get into a state of worry, trouble about your problems, and cry and be depressed. That's not brokenness. The heart of these two women were broken. In my own experiences, I had my share of going through virtual death and resurrections. I have experienced it in ministry, as I just said it. I have experienced it in my personal life, in my family, in my career, and finances many times and more. All of them very difficult, some difficult to swallow, all kinds of pain and headache. But I tell you that I will not exchange any of those experiences for anything because that's how precious those experiences are in knowing the Lord. Now, I know some of you may think, well, he's bragging that he knows the Lord. Is anybody thinking that? (laughs) The truth is, the more I learn, the more I come to this conclusion that I don't know him. And that makes me very sad. He is so infinite. As much as we learn, I always come to this conclusion that I don't know him. The ministry of Elisha for this Shunammite woman was to bring her heavenly blessings to the level of daily life with the resurrection life that is in you. That is the ministry of elders for this church to make you, the church, a responsible one. That's our responsibility. James 3.1, he says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Being a shepherding teachers or teaching shepherds, we have taken that responsibility. As I was writing the closing words of this session, I had the word bystander in mind by saying, as a believer, you cannot be a bystander. You all know what that word means, but I looked up the dictionary. The dictionary says a bystander is a person who is present at an event or incident but does not take part or a person who is present when something happens and who sees but does not take part in it. I tell you, the definition of this word, bystander, impacted me more than what I thought I knew about that word myself. And that is where majority of the believers are, a bystander, I'm speaking spiritually. A bystander, which means spiritually they hear, they understand, but don't get involved and don't take responsibility, and that will deprive you of reaching to sonship or to adoption as sons. I'm sure you have noticed that by now that this conference is not about to give you hype. I'm not even talking about how good God is, how gracious, how forgiving. Who among you doesn't know how infinite and good God is? But I'm just sharing with you the reality of our higher calling and the serious nature of adoption as sons. Amen? Amen. The message of this conference is definitely not a popular message, especially in the end days that we are living. Hamlet is speaking about the book of Revelation. It is about end days. This subject is not a popular message. But that's the word, that's our calling. There is a time to be in the position of widow of Zarephath, and there's also a time to be in the position of this Shunammite woman. And it is my responsibility at this time to point out all this truth to you, which is embedded in our high calling in the New Testament. And it is the responsibility of the elders in this church to prepare you for the work of the ministry. 
Earlier I said, as elders or ministers, we are not responsible for the testimony of our Lord Jesus. Our responsibility as elders is to prepare you for the work of the ministry to a point that the Lord can count on you. Does that mean that I don't bear the responsibility of the testimony of our Lord? No, it doesn't mean that. Does that mean that I don't share the life that God given me with others? No, not at all. What I'm saying is this. If I share the gospel with somebody outside the church, I do it not because I'm an elder, but I do it because I'm a believer in Christ. And that's what all of you are a believer in Christ. In fact, I never tell to whoever I'm sharing the gospel that I'm an elder in this church or what. The reason I don't do it because once they know you're an elder or you're a pastor or somebody, they think that's your job. But that's far from the truth. I share the gospel with people because I want to share the life that God has given me with others. Not because I'm an elder, but as an elder, I'm responsible to bring you to sonship. That's our responsibility. I'm not saying I, I'm saying our ministry in this church is just that. Apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors, and teachers, all are given to the church to bring the church to a level of responsibility that the Lord can count on you. Being responsible in spiritual journey is the pathway to adoption as sons. That's the end of session five. I survived four messages today. <laughs> God bless you. I will see you tomorrow morning, our last session.